0: Talk Radio 96.7. You're in the ozone right now with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning your trash into cold, hard cash. And now joining us in the studio, here's Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Right up, and
1: don't be shy. It's Joe in the ozone. And it's our pleasure to have with us on the phone the Athletic Director of Southeastern University, Mr. Drew Watson. Drew, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
2: Hey, thank you, Ronnie. It's good to be here.
1: Man, hey, I hear you got a big event coming up, a very loud event coming up this Saturday.
2: Yes, Red, Black, and Boom uh, is over <laughs> at Tenorock this Saturday uh, morning. It's uh, it's an event we've hosted for the last few years, and it's, uh, it's really taken off, uh, you know, being from – I'm from the Northeast. We don't do uh, we don't do clay shoots for fundraisers in the Northeast, so it was it was new to me. But man, I love it. It's uh it's such an exciting morning, and and uh, just just getting people out there and talking about fire athletics, shooting some clays, and having a good meal. It's uh it's it's a great time.
1: I tell you, I had the pleasure of participating last year, and if you guys can top that, you've really done something. It was a fun event last year. Really had a lot of fun. Enjoyed that. Um, Talk, how can somebody get tickets? Do you still have spots available?
2: Yeah, we do. Uh, the teams can sign up till five p.m. tomorrow. Uh, it's six hundred dollars a team, and they would just need to go to seu.edu and it's Red Black Boom. Uh, seu.edu/slash Red Black Boom.
1: And uh, w- once again, if an individual wanted to go and you know, didn't have a team, eight a.m.
2: registration, uh, nine a.m. shotgun start. I think it's funny they call it a shotgun start. It actually is a shotgun start at a at a, at a clay shoot. So.
1: And that's out <laughs> at rock, right?
2: So really excited about it.
1: It's out at Tinnerock. Is that correct? You still there, Drew? I think we may have lost Drew.
3: Did I lose you? Oh no, yeah. oh,
1: we've got you. Now we're just
3: <laughs> still trying to figure out this whole thing about a shotgun start, Drew. Yeah. It, it threw us for a loop there for a minute. Uh, I understand how that works in golf, where everybody starts on a different hole. But uh, how does that work in in clay shooting? I I think I stumped Drew. (laughs) I think we
1: we may have lost him, but it looks like he's calling back. But um, it's out at Tenorock uh, this Saturday, and it's a lot of fun. I tell you, I've I've shot in that last year, and I didn't win anything, which I was pretty lousy. Did you hurt anybody? (laughs) No, I didn't hurt anybody. That's a win. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But we had a great time. And uh, Drew, you back with us? I'm back. I'm not
2: sure what happened there, but
1: yeah, I'm back. That's all right. I also understand that you're hosting a basketball tournament.
2: Yeah, we've got uh, our women are number one in the nation uh, for NAIA, and we host the Sun Conference, uh, basically the Final Four this weekend. So uh, our women are uh, hosting uh, Ave Maria tomorrow at 5, and then the championship game is at 7 p.m. on on Saturday night. And um, Uh, so it's. It's
1: exciting. Give us an address and how people can get tickets to that.
2: Yeah, it's 1000 Longfellow Boulevard. And uh, that's that's uh, right off Crystal Lake, a beautiful campus. If uh, people have never been over there, uh, it's just a, a beautiful campus. And uh, sufire.com uh, slash tickets is where you would get tickets. Uh, you can also buy them when you get to the the gym there. But you know, Ronnie, we also found out yesterday uh, that we are hosting the first round of the NAI National Basketball Tournament for both the women and men. Wow! Uh, so that happens March 11th and 12th uh, at you know at the furnace on campus. So that's the first time we've ever gotten both the women and men, and uh, you're really excited excited for both teams. But the men are ranked 18th, women, as I said, are number one. So that's that's going to be uh, Yeah, really exciting weekend.
1: You know, as I told you, I grew up out in that area on Nansamond Avenue, which is just down the road from Longfellow. And uh, back then when I was a kid, which was about 100 years ago, there were just two clapboard buildings there, and it was Southeastern Bible College. And what has happened there is nothing short of miraculous.
2: Ronnie, I was was a, a visiting baseball player back in 1990. And uh, we pulled up, we played Southeastern over at Henley Field. And then we, we pulled up to the campus to shower to head back north. And I, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, who would go here? This is, this is, this is not, a, not a beautiful campus. Well, then I come back in 2004 as a, as a, a, a women's basketball coach, coaching my team against Southeastern, drove on to campus, and I could not believe. The transformation that happened. I had a couple of kids in the van that day. Go, no offense, coach, but we're transferring. This is, <laughs> this is unbelievable.
3: Oh, the sp- you know? so yeah. it's, we're blessed. Yeah, the spectacular facilities you have out there right now. It it, it amazed me when when I drove over there recently. How just you're driving along that little road there, and all of a sudden, bam! It just comes like out of out of nowhere. It's, it's really amazing. Hey, we you know, speaking yeah, of, of women's basketball, the uh, girls basketball state tournaments right across the street from us this week. Yeah, the
1: uh, RP Funding Center
3: get a chance to scout yeah, Any any uh, any future uh, number one players for for Southeastern?
1: Yeah, we.
2: I know our coaches get over there both on the men's and women's side. But you know, it's a it's a, it's such an exciting time of year. You know, I'm a as a former basketball coach, I love this time of year. And uh, you know, I, I I think you're right, Coach. I mean, when you come when you come around the corner there and you 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 see the football field and then the softball field, and you're right. It's you know it's They say athletics is the front porch of any university, and it literally is true with Southeastern and that beautiful stadium we're we're blessed with.
1: Well, you do a great job out there.
2: Yeah, thank you, Ronnie. And and like I said, if if I I I can't tell you how many people visit campus and say, "Man, I didn't even know this was all back here. This is beautiful." (laughs) So you know, I'd encourage people to come out and 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 watch a ball game. It's just it's a great experience.
1: Drew, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it and. I know that your uh, Sporting Clays event on Saturday will be a huge success.
2: Yeah, th- thank you, uh, Ronnie and Coach, and appreciate the opportunity to get on.
1: Glad to do it. All right, that's Drew Watson, Athletic Director, Southeastern University, and uh, does a fantastic job out there. So let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we have an interview with Matt Grothy, former Lake Gibson High quarterback and probably the best quarterback, certainly the most accomplished in USF Bulls football history. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF.
2: Hi, this is Ray Guy, former punter for the Oakland Raiders. You are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone.
0: Talk Radio 96.7. You're in the Ozone right now with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland since 1956, turning your cold cold turning your scrap into cold hard cash. Earlier today, we had Ronnie and Coach Joe have a great interview with Matt Grothy, former USF Bull and Lake Gibson quarterback. Got an interview with him right now. Let's have a listen.
1: USF Bull and Lake Gibson Brave. He played for. Lake Gibson under Keith Demire, one of my good friends and uh, one of the outstanding high school football coaches. He was a 4.0 student at Lake Gibson, and he finished second in the Dairy Farmers' Mr. Football in the state of Florida. And uh, they came very close to winning a state title. What do you remember about your days at Lake Gibson?
4: Uh, it's gone by quick. Um, feels like just yesterday we were out there, out there grinding. Uh, you know, we had some... Really, really good memories playing at, at Lake Gibson, and try to get out to a lot of games still nowadays just to watch them because I know that, that we've had some good teams ever since I've left, and you know I kind of feel proud that somehow, um, you know I know in in the late 80s or mid 80s and late 80s and even through the 90s that you know Lake Gibson struggled a little bit, um, but it was nice to, to be part of uh, of, a, of a class that that helped get that school on the map and and we've stayed around on the map ever since then.
1: Well, Matt, you were a great high school football player and, uh, I'm sure you had other offers. Talk a little bit about how you ended up at uh, USF.
4: Um, it was, it was pretty simple. Um, I actually got offered right after, right, right at the beginning of my junior year and, and not, not too long after that, I, I wanted to, to commit. Um, I, I took some visits uh, to a few other places around the country, um, but just USF felt home. And, you know, it was close to home. My friends and family could always come see me, and I wanted to—I wanted to be part of something, you know, upcoming that, that had a chance to to blow up. And, you know, fortunately and luckily enough, it it worked out for me.
3: Well, we're talking with Matt. Grothy, great quarterback for usf and also for lake gibson and matt wherever you want teams did very well you uh you were two two time class Four a all-state when you're at lake gibson and got him to the championship game against armwood uh what can you remember what is your memory about that game
4: <laughs> um <laughs> disappointment i mean especially my junior year when we went and played against them um the first time, uh, you know, we lost by a touchdown. And uh, we actually scored the very first play of the game. Uh, Travis Buford had 80-yard carry for a touchdown, and I swear I watched that game film 47 million times <laughs> and I could never find the, the penalty that they called the playback. But um, it was just unfortunate. You know, we started off hot, and then we actually scored like two or three plays, after halftime again and got another long uh play call back for touchdown so you know we had our chances we just you know made some mistakes and couldn't capitalize but but you know it was a it was a a heck of a ride to get there that's for sure um you know especially i'll tell you what is is you know losing in the state championship game was was rough and, and tough but I still think the best team we played that year was, was Pensacola High School to go to the state championship. That team was stacked on both sides of the ball. And and somehow we pulled it off. You know, We played really well that game. and We were able to, to kick a field goal as time expired to win that game to go to the state championship. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love, love playing at Lake Gibson and had a good uh, high school career for sure.
3: Oh, yeah, there's some great memories of that. And you made some great memories for Bulls fans uh, uh, back there in, uh, I think it was 2007. You had the team all the way up to number two in the nation. That's the all-time high for South Florida. It's now They've only been back in the in the football game for about 25 years now. But that was probably the best team they ever had. Um, what, what do you remember specifically? When did you guys know how good you were?
4: Um, I think going into the season, we knew we were going to be good. We had... You know, my freshman year, um, we had a lot of talent, um, a lot of young talent, and then uh, we had some really key positions of some v- vets that you know were juniors and seniors. And then going into my sophomore year, that 2007 year, um, we knew we had a chance to be really good, and uh, it it showed early on for us. The one the one downfall about being a you know a newer program at the time and 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 having all those weapons that we had on both sides of the ball is that once we got in the middle of the season we had some really key people get banged up and you it it showed you know the, the depth of some of these big teams that have been around for 100 years really shows when you watch them on you know play on saturdays like alabama and university of florida and all, a lot of big schools, you know, they have those guys that come in that can, you know, somebody goes down, they can be replaced the next play by somebody else that that, um, the, you know, is backing them up, and, you know, unfortunately, we had some injuries, you know, uh, uh, George Selby, you know, probably our best defensive player we've ever had at USF, got got banged up in the middle of the season, and, and it, it hurt us on the defense, the side of the ball, and then we had some running backs that that uh were were key um to the blocking game into the running game that they got banged up in the middle of the season and we ended up bouncing back and winning some games late and 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 had a good year and well you know we we had a lot of a lot of talent on that on our 2017 i, I put that team one game against anybody in the country i i i, mean, I think we'd have a chance to beat anybody That that year for
1: sure man that certainly was a magical year and remains probably the best year ever in usf football history two things i'd like to hear you comment on what you remember probably the biggest game that year was when you beat auburn in overtime at jordan Hare stadium and you threw a touchdown pass in overtime to win that game and then you had an 80 yard touchdown run against pitt and i watched that play and one of your wide receivers blocked three guys with one block Talk about those two particular plays, the touchdown pass at Auburn and the 80-yard run.
4: Oh, well, the 80-yard run, that, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's <laughs> Cedric Hill. That was a uh, – yeah, I remember watching that on film because obviously I'm running down the field and don't get to, to see what's going on. But when you were watching on film, you see Ced just knocking people over like bowling <laughs> balls. And, and uh, definitely definitely cleared some, some pass off for me to make that run. That was uh, – that was a tiring run. That was probably the most tiring run I've ever had. It was uh, it was it was like mid thirties that game, and that was the very first play coming out of halftime. And, <laughs> and I mean, you can be warmed up all you want, but all of a sudden you got to go eighty yards <laughs> in cold weather. It, it, it catches up to you real quick.
1: Oh uh, well, um, what I saw was it looked like you faked an option to the right, and then you turned it up yourself and. Uh, as you mentioned the wide receiver took out three guys with one block and it l- looked like, I mean, it looked like those, g- one of those guys would have caught you had it not been for that block. But at the end, you certainly looked winded, but talk hey, about oh. the touchdown pass too at Auburn. I mean, that had in overtime. I mean, that's a walk-off wind. Talk about that.
4: No, that was, that was crazy. That, that whole, that whole day was crazy for me. That was actually my 21st birthday that same day. Um, and, uh, it was one one hell of a birthday present, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but it, they, that was uh, that was definitely out of every game that I've ever played, my my favorite game to be a part of. And just, I mean, that stadium was packed to the brim and and loud as all loud can get. And all of a sudden, you know, we we ran a play. We had trips on the left side, and the two outside guys run a five yard in, and then the inside guy. Jesse runs a, a corner route, and you basically just read the corner, and if he sits on the on the dig route, you throw the corner, and if he bails out, you take the easy you know, check down, and uh, he sat hard, and Jesse made the catch, and that place went from loud as all get out to quiet. You can just hear <laughs> our, our little couple hundred people up in the up, other side of, of the stadium chanting and stuff, but but, yeah, that whole – I don't think I slept for 48 hours
3: after that game because <laughs> it was such a good time. <laughs> We're talking with Matt Grothy, who had 872 yards rushing in 2007. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the, the first 80 of that. <laughs> but uh, you actually ran pretty well, and you passed pretty well, too. Uh, total of uh, 8,669 yards passing in your career at USF. Uh, and, the, the, you know – Auburn, you go to places like that. They're really super loud, but at Raymond James Stadium, it hasn't always been that way for USF. But that year, the fans, the fan support, the student support, uh, really began to grow, didn't it?
4: Oh yeah, it was uh, the loudest stadium I've ever been in was was in Raymond James. I've played, and even even to this day, like going to you know just football games in general. I, I don't I'm, when Ben Moffat picked that. Fall off against West Virginia when we had that, that sold out game against West Virginia at home on Friday night ESPN. It was, uh, that I, I swear the ground started shaking because the the crowd (laughs) was yelling so much.
3: Well, nowadays there's a lot of talk, Matt, there wasn't so much back then, but a lot of talk now about getting USF an on campus stadium. Uh, my daughter's there right now. She's a freshman and, uh, uh, I know, I know she she wants one <laughs> as a student, so because uh, it's a lot easier for I think for the atmosphere for games uh, at, at an on-campus stadium. Uh, what what have you heard about that? What's your opinion on on what USF really needs to get back into the big time like they were when you were quarterbacking?
4: Well, they, I I think they're already starting uh, on the right track now. I mean, they're building that end-to-end in, in- build practice facility which is going to help a lot just with recruiting and stuff. And, and, uh, I I know that that's been a talk for, for a while. And then we finally got it, you know, it's, it's under construction now and that'll be done. My memory serves me right middle of next year. Um, and then I know that uh, talking to some, some big time donors and just people that are around the program that that stadium is going to end up happening. Um, you know, I think it'll be, you know, still another four or five years away before it's actually a thing. Um, but it's it's definitely going to happen. I think the biggest question is where. I mean, there's so many places that people keep <laughs> yeah. talking about. Um, you know, for the longest time, people talked about you know, Mosey was trying to move out, and so they were going to put the stadium there. And then you know you got the Fowler Fields that are right across from Mosey, or or even I. I I still, in the back of my head, have a feeling that because that golf course that's right across the street from your campus um, has, has seen its day, and I think that would be a good good spot for well, that, Matt, we're almost claw, out of huh?
1: time. Um, I did want to ask you. we got about 30 seconds left. Tell us about the growhawk, your haircut.
4: <laughs> yeah, I can't grow that anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he had a mohawk, and yeah. uh, it, it became – known as the Growhawk.
4: Yeah, I, uh, I I I got dared to do it for one game and I did it and then it kind of just stuck and I'm I'm very uh I uh, when it comes to winning in games, if I do something, I kind of try to keep it around. So. Oh
1: man. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um God bless you and uh, really appreciate you coming on with us.
4: Yeah, thank you and you too.
0: Talk Radio 96.7. You're back in the Ozone now with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. It's brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, your full-service metal processor since 1956. Let's take it back to the studio now with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
1: Right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. It's our privilege to have with us the voice of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts, Mr. Tim Conti. Tim, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
5: Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Ronnie, my... A gym buddy who is uh, putting everyone to shame there at the gym. He's looking really good lately, so you you keep me motivated, Ron.
1: Bench pressing, that 35 pounds, I know there were a lot of people very impressed. And uh, I do have a shirt that says, no, I'm not on steroids, but thanks for asking.
5: That's right. There you go. You keep us us motivated. Uh, You're doing a a great job. Well, Coach
1: Joe works out there, too, and uh, he's the one that when he gets off the bike, it's still smoking. (laughs)
5: Oh, man, he's he's really doing it. Oh, yeah.
1: Tim, I know that um, I I graduated from Lakeland High School so long ago that the football team wasn't that good. So you know that was a long time ago. But um, I also was on the broadcast team back in 1986 when Bill Castle won his first state championship. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to believe that it was that long ago. But um, you've broadcast a lot of dreadnought games um, give us a game that that you really sticks out in your memory.
5: Oh my goodness! Well, you know it's funny that that 1986 game, uh, Ron. I was a senior at Lakeland High School at that time, and uh, Emmett Reed and I loved uh, getting out on the field every time the Dreadnought scored a <laughs> touchdown, and we would spell out the, the the letters Lakeland and and cheer, get the crowd going. And and you're right, that seemed like a long time ago, but it's been a blessing because. You know all the seven state championships that Lakeland has been obviously uh, blessed to win. I've had a small part in some way in those, and that was obviously the first one, being a senior in high school while you were on the broadcast team there uh, in 1986, when Shane Willis, of course, and uh, Charlie Bird and those guys against yeah. Dunedin brought brought home the first state championship there.
1: Earl Mothersill I used to call him the, oh, yeah. the
5: Earl of Yardage. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was he was like the Earl Campbell of that day in high school. He was tough tough guy to bring down for sure.
1: He certainly was. Well, um do any of those other six that did you broadcast all of the other six or were you part of the I, broadcast team for the others? I
5: did. Yeah. I, I did and kind of it was interesting because they all had some special moments, you know, for for them uh 1996 of course when Lakeland won forty to six against St. Thomas. You know that's kind of when I first became aware of, of of St. Thomas and and the powerhouse that, that they were. And uh, you know, Dwayne Gallishaw seemed like there was always a Gallishaw in there back in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. Uh, but yeah, Larani and and Dwayne that year, and, and of course the Dreadnoughts uh, did a good job. And it was it was cold that year. That's that's one thing I, that stood out to me is how just how cold that game was in uh, Emmett Reed, and I uh, did broadcast that game, and things were a little bit different back then, but had a lot of fun, and then, of course, 1999 uh, against Rutherford was special to me because I, I graduated from, from Florida, the University of Florida, and then uh, that was the first game we got to play at the Swamp for a state championship game in 99, and uh, Dreadnoughts, again, were able to come home victorious 45-12 uh, against Rutherford there, and so we got to sneak up in the the press boxes and, and actually call the game. They allowed us, the FHSAA allowed us to uh, get on the radio and call that game from the press boxes. So we felt like we were big shots there being up in, uh, up in the swamp. So that was a lot of fun, too.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that really shaped Lakeland High School football and the really great teams with the, the Gator Knots, the seven guys that signed with the, the Florida Gators, oh was the fact yeah. that the Pouncies they were lifelong Florida State fans. And uh, yep. uh, do you know that story about when they visited Florida State?
5: I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, T- I know tell they it committed. Well, I mean, you you might tell it better. I mean, all I really know from that was that they, they just were obviously extremely endeared to Florida State, and they had committed verbally to Florida State. And so everyone was like, oh, no, you know, we got. Uh, all these other people that we want to go to the University of Florida and hear that the the Pounceys are headed that way. I'm not sure that there's other backstory that you're thinking about. I just knew that they were – yeah, go
1: ahead. There there is. What happened was they went up there on their visit, and Bobby Bowden didn't know their names, and he really didn't pay a lot of attention to them. Oh, yeah. That's when Florida was able to sneak in and uh, steal them away. But think about what would have happened had that not occurred. I mean, those two guys were just critical to the Gators' success
5: absolutely and and you know so that that's just says a lot um about that 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 run that you're kind of talking about with the Gator Knives that 2004 through 2006 when uh obviously St. Thomas the big rivalry was really cemented in in history and folklore in some ways uh and you know Lakeland had a pretty pretty good time there were at the Swamp obviously in 2004 and and beat them pretty good 31 to 7 it wasn't much of a game and and uh so I know the St. Thomas coach didn't like you know he he had a lot of respect for Coach Castle, but with those guys as competitive as they are, he didn't he didn't like taking that beating too bad. But unfortunately, <laughs> you know the number one team in the nation comes in next year at two thousand and five and puts another kind of whipping on them, thirty nine to ten. and uh, and that was at Dolphin Stadium, which was fun traveling down there and and going to see uh, you know, playing in the big big lights and all of that was uh, was really a, a good memory as well. But perhaps Ron, Coach Joe, you guys know the the real folklore came in 2006 when some people believe that that game was one of the top high school games ever played, and um, it was almost a dubious honor that the Dreadnoughts had <laughs> by
3: <laughs> that. Throwing that away. Oh man, yeah. what, an, what an absolutely incredible game! They couldn't stop Rainey. What you got about 275 yards rushing is <laughs> in that game. Yeah, I
5: mean. It was just you know he was the freight train that he always was and the rain man and every everything you could throw at him no one could stop him and we we all thought okay third consecutive year this is a route in the making and uh, so we were all pretty comfortable you know sitting back uh, pretty prideful uh, going into the into the fourth quarter with uh, Rainey in charge and then uh, and then as you guys know uh, what what ensued uh, was was quite the uh, story so
3: Saint Thomas University. <laughs>
5: That, yeah. That turned yeah.
3: out to be a nail biter when it was all said and done. I didn't think that game would well, ever end.
5: <laughs> oh my goodness. Again, you know, we jumped out to the, we we were up, you know, 35, I think it was, I can't remember, 12 or something, but and then and then obviously, you know, they scored back and we still oh, we're we're still in good shape and then the onside kicks started happening, which <laughs> yeah, it literally is unbelievable. You look at the 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 probability of that happening again and how they we're able to successfully get a couple of those in a row and then turn them into quick scores. And, and then, boom, before you know it, we're we're in shock. And at the end of the regulation, we're 35-35.
1: Who and, was it um, that uh, blocked the two-point conversion? It was one of the offensive players that they put in there, wasn't it? Oh,
5: uh, That snuck around. I think you're right, Ron. I can't remember who that was. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, that I, I think you're right on that. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I think – Rainey also, obviously, when he wasn't touched, he was pretty good, but he had some durability issues, uh, had a shoulder problem that kept kind of kind of uh, hurting him a little bit, and it, it reared its ugly head in that game as well. But, um, you know, the defense, we, we forget to talk about the defense at Lakeland. I think it's easy to remember all the great running backs. I mean, Johnny Mack and obviously uh, Chris Rainey and, you know, you had Dwayne Gallishaw and Ronnie Galashaw and, and – uh, you know, recently DeMarcus Bowman. Yeah, there's always that, that one standout, it seemed like. And and oftentimes, both were very good. The, the tandem of running backs they would have. Uh, Castle, of course, would, would utilize his players just about better than anybody. But, um, but the defense, I think, you know, it was unsung over those years as well. Um, they still had to go up against a pretty powerful St. Thomas offense that, as you said, you know, St. Thomas University, they had <laughs> both coaches and players that were just you know the lineup was is so impressive when you look at the size and and where they were headed. Uh, but you know Chauncey Clark, John Brown, those guys that stood out to me. Um, Ahmad Black, you know, during those years did did a tremendous job also on the other side of the ball.
3: So. Yeah, Ahmad Black, we've had him on the show a bunch. It's always great talking to him, and we're talking right now with Tim Conti, longtime voice of the Dreadnoughts. Uh I got I, I got to ask you, Tim. Uh, you, uh, you were broadcasting the Dreadnought games for how long?
5: It's, it was about 25 years.
3: 25 years? Yeah. And it was before or after, Ronnie? Did you guys, I sort of remember, didn't you guys do any of them together?
5: We, we didn't have the pleasure of doing them together, although um, you know, it's fascinating kind of how that, back when I started, was around around that 1986 year, or 90, 96 year, rather, um, when uh, Coach Castle saw Emmett Reed, a friend of mine, at the basketball game, and they had someone broadcasting the basketball game uh and he said, "You know, we used to do some of this broadcasting more and for whatever reason it got away from us, and I'd like to start that up again and so he asked Emmett if he'd like to do it and Emmett called me being uh, one of my best friends and said, Hey, you want to do this football game with me i'm like <laughs> uh I, I've, I've never I've never done that before, but sure I'd, I'll give it a shot and um and then so we we started that way just uh on what was kind of a web radio, and then obviously going to WLKF with Steve Howard um, was helping out, and Eric, of course, the producer there, uh, still there was was our producer at the time, and um, and it's so it kind of morphed into this thing. That Emmett decided to move to Tallahassee, and uh, he just said, "Well, you're the captain now. You're 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 the man." So I became I went from color commentator to being promoted to the uh, broadcaster there, and was at the, the head of the,
3: the broadcasting ever since that that time but uh, well, if you ever feel like getting started again and you need a broadcast partner i you know i'm just saying i only i only have the gig on <laughs> thursday nights here so most of the football games are friday nights i think it'll work out pretty good uh, yeah tim, right <laughs> oh yeah absolutely tim man, it's amazing we could uh, listen to your stories um, all night uh, but uh, Ronnie needs to get back to his curls. And we, <laughs> yes. and we got He and, needs
5: to do a few more, just a couple more. Uh, <laughs> is all he needs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, gosh, thanks for, for joining us here in the Ozone tonight. We really appreciate it, Tim. And, and come back again soon. I want to hear some more of these stories, uh, some great stuff, especially when we get into football season again. It'll be great uh, talking about guys. Lakeland High football. So that's Always uh,
5: fun talking. Yeah, always fun talking Lakeland High School football. And mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for having me on. we'll talk to
3: you soon. Oh, thank you so much. That's yep. Tim Conti.
4: Hi, everybody. This is Tommy Lasorda with the Los Angeles Dodgers, former manager and now advisor to the chairman of the board. Uh, you're listening to Ronnie Ocean and the Ozone.
0: Talk radio 96.7. You're in the Ozone right now with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Paying high quality prices for your metals. Back to Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
1: right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. I know right now I can hear those stomachs growling. You cannot wait (laughs) to get to that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. So, as we will once again cure hunger one person at a time here in the Ozone. If you know the answer and you haven't won in the last six months... Give us a call at 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Here's the question. Ken Burrow, one of the all-time great wide receivers in NFL history, played at Texas Southern in college and out of Jacksonville Rains High School. What unique jersey number did Ken Burrow wear when he was with the Houston Oilers? Was it A, 0, B, double zero, or C, 99? If you haven't won the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're hungry and thirsty, give us a call. you got multiple choices, that's pretty darn easy. So, Coach Joe, when's the last
3: time you've been out to the ale house? Uh, I was there on Saturday. You know? All right. <laughs> yeah.
1: You have a table reserved, right?
3: Uh, yes, they know exactly where I want to sit, and uh, <laughs> and they always check whoever is is working. Uh uh, D- Dax has been uh, the, the one taking care of me the most lately. And, uh, but, of course, uh, Jorge, the uh, manager out there, they always make sure that uh, whatever game we want on games, just because there's 40 strategically yeah. located T V so we <laughs> I always try to time it to go at a time when there's a lot of games on. In this uh, past Saturday, I went there uh, in time to uh, catch the Gators and watch them, and that was a huge win over Auburn. So that was pretty exciting. Speaking but, of the Gators, this Saturday...
1: They're going to travel to Stegman Coliseum on the campus of the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, noon tip-off, 11.30 pregame on WONN, 107.1, 12.30 a.m. Yeah, then, important game. Yeah. Then Tuesday they'll travel to Vanderbilt, Nashville, 8.30 tip-off, 8 o'clock pregame. And then next Saturday, March the 5th, the Gators will host the University of Kentucky Wildcats, 2 p.m. tip 130 pregame. All those games will be on WNN 107.1. Let's repeat that sports quiz. It's pretty easy. I'm giving you multiple choice. Yeah, it's really easy. We just got five minutes left in the program. What unique jersey number did Ken Burrow wear for the Houston
3: Oilers? Was it A zero, B double zero, or C ninety nine? Yeah, you know we're we're asking a question about Ken Burrow today because unfortunately he, he passed today at age of seventy three. He was a friend of the show. We met him at uh, Ken Riley's event a few years ago, yeah. and uh, and he was he, he appeared on our show. I remember watching him. He was a terrific wide receiver. Spent eleven years in the NFL. Uh, almost all of it with Houston, used to catch those passes from Dan Pastorini. And and, uh, that was really good teams they had back then. They were like the Bengals of that era. They were overshadowed because they had to play in the same division as Pittsburgh. Remember, Houston got into two AFC championship games with Kenny Burrow and Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini. Uh, But they had to play Pittsburgh both times, and unfortunately it didn't work out either time.
1: Well, you know, the Saints were really bad. It took them a long time just to have a winning season. And one of the reasons is... Ken Burrow was one of their first-round picks. They traded him to the Houston Oilers for Hoyle Granger, one of my favorite names, and who was never a great player in the NFL. He played at Mississippi State, and the only reason I remember him is because he had such a neat name and a couple other guys I'd never heard of. And that's how you maintain... That level of incompetence over the years is because you you make trades like
3: that. Well, Hoyle Granger was from Louisiana originally, so I guess yeah. maybe they thought uh, a little hometown flavor would help with the attendance uh, because the Saints were oh so bad back then.
1: Oh, they were. Yeah. They yeah. were, and poor Archie Manning.
3: Yeah, they drafted him right after they traded Ken Burrow. Imagine if they had kept Ken Burrow and had Archie Manning throwing to him. I know. Oh, they could have six
1: four A 6'4 fast wide receiver back then. When receivers weren't that big.
3: No, they could have really done some damage back in the NFC back then. It's uh, It was a missed opportunity for New Orleans, as they missed many for the uh, first yeah. 30 or 40 years of their they existence. Did. <laughs> they did.
1: Well, give us a call, 682-1430. What we want to know is what unique jersey number did Ken Burrow wear for the Houston Oilers? And we'll tell you, it wasn't 99. So
3: <laughs> A, zero, or B, double zero. And he which... was the last player in the NFL to wear that number. Because oh, they've we got somebody hungry and thirsty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that's exactly right. And uh, I wonder if if it's still outlawed. I mean, they're out, allowing pretty much anything <laughs> anymore. I mean, linemen can be one single digit numbers, and um, so fortunately, we have got somebody on the line that's hungry and thirsty. So let's see who this is. And uh,
3: yeah, I haven't seen anybody recently wearing it, so I think it might still be illegal because they wear this in college. Some some guys do. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Who have we got? Who's on the phone? Who's hungry and thirsty? Bronson. Bronson, how you doing tonight? Hey, Bronson.
2: I'm doing great.
1: This isn't Bronson Arroyo, is it?
2: It's it, not. The I, was, pitch. I think it might have been born beforehand.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he um, – actually, it's his birthday today. But um, what unique number did Ken Burrow wear for the Houston Oilers? Give me the options that are left. Zero or double zero? I'll
2: say double zero. You're
3: exactly hey. right. There hey, you go. Your, I, knew, I knew it. Is it your it. birthday too, Bronson?
2: <laughs> Not too long ago.
3: All uh, right. Well, here's a birthday present for you. It's yeah. from the Ozone. Yeah. $30 of Eric Clark's money. There <laughs> you, <laughs> you go. you get to use at the uh, Ale House. There you go.
1: Fantastic.
3: Are you an Oilers fan or? Uh, uh, an
2: Oilers fan?
3: Yeah. Who's your favorite NFL team? Yeah, well I guess they're the Titans now, aren't they? Ronnie hadn't been following the I, NFL for very yeah. much of yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. I, I remember the
2: logo. The
3: uh Yeah, the oil there.
2: Yeah. Uh I I am a Bucks fan, but I uh I don't know the way things are going. Don't watch too much of the NFL, more of a Gators
4: fan.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, um hang on the line and Glenn will get your information and um don't tell Eric when you're gonna go because if he goes with you, you'll get nothing to eat because the man eats like a steam shovel. <laughs> I've heard,
2: I've heard that. I've yeah, heard
1: you, that. yeah you, you don't want to invite Eric to go with you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Eric is actually, you know, here tonight. He's having, he's having uh, Glenn work the board because uh, that gives gives Eric enough free time to beat on us during the course of the show. I Precisely. Got, man, I got bruises everywhere. I don't know about you, Ronnie. Precisely.
1: Well,
2: he called me earlier and told me he was going to do that. So that doesn't
3: me about that. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll see you at the alehouse, Bronson. Have a right. good time yes, there. Well, hang
1: on the line; you. we'll get your information. And uh, our thanks to Matt Grothy and Tim Conti, who really made it a special show tonight, along with Drew Watson. You're listening to Ronnie o and Coach Joe in the Ozone.